Uh, my name is Pastor John Hubert. It's great to have everybody here today. Uh, we're going to begin our fall series on uh, You Asked. And uh, what I want to, t- to uh, the original title was You Asked For It, but we thought that was too aggressive. Um, we did, Jordan and I did a little research this week, and we had some comments, like some people said, if you do, you ask for it, so you ask for it. But, uh, so we changed it to You Asked, just for the record. Uh, this is a result of what we've done since Easter, uh, which we brought in requests that people have had for sermons. And these are people from the church. Questions that did not have easy answers necessarily. Not, hey, well, there's just one verse and it solves everything. And uh, some of them we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about prayer. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, why does God allow suffering. Questions about sexuality. There's a lot of people with different things. About uh, uh, Old Testament. Why does the God in the Old Testament seem to have you know, more violence in the Old Testament, not in the New Testament? And... Uh, one of the other things I want to emphasize, we're going to do a little different style of preaching. We usually preach through a book of the Bible, but in this one, we'll have to go to a few more passages because we're trying to kind of encompass what the whole Bible says. So we'll be bringing in a little bit more verses from that. Uh, and one of the major questions that was asked, and one of the major questions I think most Christians ask, if they're honest, is why do my prayers go unanswered? And we are instructed to pray. We know that. We know as good Christians that we're supposed to pray. We were, if you went to Sunday school or children's church as a kid, you learned to fold your hands, close your eyes, and pray. And uh, if we look at the Lord's Prayer, Matthew 6, 9, says, Pray then like this. That is a command. Luke 11, 12, or 11 2, his description of the Lord's Prayer says, Pray when you pray. It does not say if you pray. It says when you pray. And it says, pray then like this. So it seems like it is something that we are supposed to do. It is something that has value in our lives. There are also instructions of what will happen when we pray. And unfortunately, some of the uh, interpretations that have come from this have become very extreme. If we look at Matthew 21, 21, it says, And Jesus answered them and said, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, But even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And there are people that have come from this. And they've looked at this and they said, whatever I pray, whatever I say to God, it must happen. And if it doesn't happen, then I must have done something wrong. However, most if not all of us have come to a place where our prayers seem to not move mountains that we want moved. We still have not seen the healing, the salvation for our children, the job, the relationship, or any other things, or other things that we have prayed for. We also may remember that God has, has answered prayers in our past. But, and we also maybe see that somebody else is receiving a blessing. Somebody else has received something good. And you want to be thankful for them, but at the same time you say, but what about the prayer I gave and it didn't get answered? What about this? I prayed for the same thing and it didn't happen. You're happy for your friend that got a job, meanwhile you're still looking for a job. You're happy for your friend that found a great relationship, meanwhile it hasn't happened for you. And what happens in this, about this? We start, the, we start to wonder, and a lot of people I think, we, if we're honest with ourselves, we start to wonder if we're doing something wrong. Have we offended God in some way? Do we need to seek out a master prayer person? And I think a lot of people do this, they'll, they'll kind of chase around who they think is the master prayer You'll find these people that are out there. And ministries will claim to help you have your prayer answered. And there's a lot of ways. One is they want you to send them money. 
Uh, that's always a fun one because they say it's a seed planted. The other one I, I always find interesting is, is they want you to send them their prayer and they will send it to Jerusalem where they will pray for it in Jerusalem so thus it must be answered. As if God only looks at Jerusalem. The rest of us in northern Minnesota, we're off the radar. We don't get prayers answered, but if we send them to Jerusalem, they're going to work. And, and we, we're told that if true Christians, many uh, people will say, if you're a true Christian with real faith and know how to pray, that your prayers will be answered exactly the way you say them. That it, it's the problem is, is you don't have enough faith, or you're not doing this correctly. And there are many teachers that are out there that will use these verses and say, you're a child of God, and as a child of God, you get whatever you ask the Father because the Father loves you, and he will give you exactly what you ask. And we wonder ourselves, well, what's wrong with me? Maybe everybody else is having this, and, and I'm not receiving this. But if we look at the passage, main passage we want to talk about today, if you look at 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10, and some people have used the Apostle Paul as an example and said, you know, the Apostle Paul has his great prayers answered, and they'll say that as a child of God, you should never be sick, you should have, be wealthy, you should have all these things. And then I look at Paul, and he says, starting with verse 7, So to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weakness, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Paul had just experienced one of the most amazing visions and he's talking about it. He talks about it in the third person. He talks about so many times in it, kind of like we were just going through Daniel. He says things like, I don't even know what I, I saw. I, I can't even explain it. I do not know. If you look at ver the, right before here, he says, I do not know what it was. I was in the third heaven. I was at this. And he's using all kinds of terms because he can't describe it. But then he brings up this verse that says, after I received this vision, as many years later, he says, I also have things in my life that have not been removed from me. I also have prayers that have not gone the way that I wish they would have. And I think, here's the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul has written most of the New Testament. If the Apostle Paul doesn't have all his prayers answered exactly the way he wants, I think that's probably a good example for the rest of us. It should be a good example for us. But let's look at, a lot of people argue, what was the thorn that he had? And what's interesting about it, there's all kinds of people that talk about it. We assume, first of all, that the Corinthians knew. There's many times in the Bible, Paul will say, well, you know my thorn. And everybody's like, yeah. And we're all reading this couple, you know, thousands of years later going, what? What was it? But I'm, I think the best thing that can happen is that we don't know what it is. Because if it was one thing, we could say, well, that wasn't me. Because let's be honest, we'll do that. Well, that person was healed of this. Well, I'm, I've got this. God must not be able to heal that. Or this happened to them, but I'm a little bit different, so God can't. God can only work. I remember in the Old Testament where the, the people, of, uh, people fighting against Israel would talk about, well, Israel's God only works in the valleys and not in the mountains and this like that. And they'll have these, all they'll break down how God does this. God can handle any thorn in the flesh. And this could have been anything. It could have been spiritual temptation, persecution, 
Um, it could have been physical ailments. It could have been depression. It could have been an actual person coming after him. And it tormented him continually. It says that Satan was behind it. It says that it was a messenger of Satan. And many of us here have things that we have prayed about for years, and we've said, God, take care of this. Take this out of my life. This is something that is, is hurting me, that is, in, that is in my way. He talks about it impeding him. It is slowed down. It says it tormented him continually. It may have been humiliating, appeared to slow down his efficiency and enjoyment for life. And I think we all here can identify, maybe it's going on in our life or with somebody that we are praying for, that they have something in their life that is, that is stopping them from doing what they think they should be able to do. So what do we learn from this? And what do we learn from what Scripture says? Why do our prayers seem to go unanswered? First of all, we need to understand that every prayer is heard and answered. There is no question by Paul in this passage that God heard each of his prayers. He hears our pleadings. We are commanded to pray and expect prayers to be answered. God does hear the prayers. And it is okay to ask for thorns to be removed. Some people have taken this text and gone too far the other way and say, woe is me, everything stinks in my life, but I better not ask God, I just accept my thorns. God's okay with you asking. God's okay. Jesus himself said, take away the cup from me if there's a way. If Jesus himself can pray for that, I, I can pray for whatever going on in my life to keep praying. He said he pleaded with God for it to go away. And I talked about, but three times at Gethsemane, Jesus prayed for the cup to be taken away. God does heal and deliver. James 5 commands us to pray for healings and deliverance. And he himself, Paul, had many things in his life that went well. We're going to talk about those in a minute. And Paul would have also been trained in the Old Testament, would have known Psalm 34, 15 that says, The eyes of the Lord are toward the righteous and his ears towards their cry. That doesn't sound like a God that you have to get his attention. I think we all know this, or we're on the other side of this, what it's like to be a child trying to get your parents' attention. Okay? And maybe you've been to the point where your kid is saying, Mom, 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 Mom. We do that, okay? Or dad, 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 dad. And they're like, you're trying to get the person's attention. And, we, and dad's distracted by something else. And I think sometimes we bring that image into God. Like we have to shout loud enough that he'll hear us. You know, God's paying attention or his eyes are on a different part of the world. He's looking at something else. But God is listening for our prayers, it says right here. He wants to hear them. And Paul was used to mighty miracles in his life. He was used to God doing amazing things through his prayers. These are the recorded miracles that happened through Paul. In Acts 13, it talks about that a sorcerer was trying to stop somebody from receiving uh, the faith, and so he prayed for the person to go blind, and the person went blind. Paul was unable to do miraculous signs and wonders at Iaconium. Paul heals a man lame from birth in Lystra. Paul survives being stoned in Lystra, and not the kind of stone that involved the... the drugs, but the other kind where he's been hit with, uh, every time I see that, I always read that, I'm like, oh, you got to interpret that for today's audience, you know, okay? Uh, it is becoming more and more legal in our country. All right, on his second missionary journey, Paul heals this demon-possessed girl in Philippi. Um, Acts 16, Paul likely performs miracles in Thessalonica. In his third missionary journey, miraculous healing of those who touch Paul's garments and handkerchief. Okay? And Paul brings Eutychus back to life after he falls from a second-story window. 
Second story window comes to life. Paul survives snake bite on an island. That's one of my favorite things. He's playing with the fire. Snake comes up, grabs his finger or his hand. He throws it back in the fire. Keeps walking. I, I mean, he has things like this happen. Paul heals the father of Publius on Malta. He heals the sick on Malta. He has all these things happen. He has had answered prayer in his life, and he knows if he needs something, he can go to God in prayer, and God is faithful to listen to his prayer, and he's also seen miraculous things done. So as a believer, and as a strong man of faith, he knows that we're supposed to pray. He knows that God does stuff, but it doesn't seem to be going the way he wants to right here. The second thing is we need to understand God's answers are not always what we want. I think this may be the major thing, is God always answers our prayer for deliverance, not always the way we are in our limited view. For Jesus, when he said, Lord, not my will, but yours be done. For Paul, he said to, but he said to me that God revealed to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. In other words, God was saying to Paul, if you have this thorn in your flesh, you will be able to be used by me. And Paul said, and I will accept that. But you notice the fact that, Paul, that God does not leave him alone, though. Paul, he just doesn't say, suck it up, Paul. I think sometimes we think that. Paul, God's up in heaven going, what a bunch of whiners. Just stop it. Oh, you hurt. Big deal. I'm serious. We go either one way or the other. I mean, in extremes in faith, we go with the God must, you know, we, we, we can tell God what to do, and if we get the right formula, God's up in heaven, go, well, they said the right formula. I've got to give it to them. Or God's up in heaven, just wow me, everyone, because if you don't do it right, I'm not giving you anything. Now, Paul also had troubles which were not relieved by prayer. You need to understand this. He was put in prison, and he was beaten. Do you think Paul, while he was being beaten up, said, I'm loving this. They're beating me almost to death. He's probably saying, God, deliver me from this. In Galatians 4, 13 through 15, Paul himself was sick. For those who say to you, you just have, enough, have to have enough faith, and God will answer your prayer and you'll never be sick, Paul was sick. Paul was afflicted in 2 Corinthians. In Philippians, Ephroditus was ill. He, one of his friends was ill. Well, Paul was there. Why didn't Paul pray for him? And he, I mean, if Paul, every answer should be the way it is. Hey, Paul prayed for other people and they're sick. Why is this person? Timothy was ill. He told Timothy to take some medicine. Wait a second. Paul, didn't you just have a, uh, one of the deadliest snakes grab you in the hand and you just kind of flung it off and you were fine? Didn't you just have a demon-possessed girl? Hey, how about the guy who fell out of the window? and died? I think that's a little more extreme than my stomach. Can't you pray for me and it'll go away? And Paul says, I'm ass we're assuming that Paul prayed for Timothy, and he says to Timothy, take a little medicine for it. God is going to take you through it. He's not going to heal you on this time. And there's another example in 2 Timothy 4.20 that Trophimus was ill. He says the grace, the good relationship with God, which grace is sufficient, to overcome the issues with the thorn and the stake. He said, it's not necessarily going to go away, but I will give you what it takes, the grace, the courage, everything that you need to overcome this and have it used for God's glory. That is a guarantee right there. 
God will never, ever let you down in a circumstance. There is good reason um, for everything that happens, but we don't always know it. Sometimes we receive this word from God where he says, I need you to go through this because he said, you know, Paul understood that this was something that he had to receive because he'd received this glory and he needed this. But there's many times in our life that we ask for the wrong things too. And it's good that God says no. There have been things in my life that I have prayed for that God miraculously said no to. Oh my goodness. I still, yes, thank you. There's a few people going, oh man, I remember praying for this. God, if I just get this, I'll be perfectly content. And God kicks you away from it. You're like, oh God, thank you for not putting me there. Thank you for not placing me there. Thank you for not having me in that place where I thought it was going to be perfect. I prayed for it. If I just have that job, if I just do this, if I just do this, if I just have this, if I just have this, and God says no. And we don't understand it. We may stomp our feet like a little child. I mean, because when we're little kids, again, I think about us with our Father in heaven, as we're little children, we think about the things that we ask for when we're children. Like ice cream for every meal. That's not good for you. It tastes good. But as a parent, you're mean. Why don't you give your kids ice cream? Come on, parents. What's wrong with you? Don't you love your kids? No, you do love your kids, so you tell them what? No. And they go, well, I want ice cream. And you say, no, you're going to eat carrots, and you're going to be better. And then when you're an adult, you don't have to eat carrots anymore if you don't want to, but you do now, all right? And so we need to understand this whole component of God says what we need. Lastly, the will of God is the key to the answers to prayer. Paul accepted God's answer to prayer. He even spelled out why God was doing it. If you go back to 7 through 12, or 10, I have these all highlighted. To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. He said God revealed to him that he needed this for his own attitude. To make sure, because if you're Paul, I still, I I get stuck on the snake one. I'm just going to be honest with you. If I had a snake bite me, I'd go running and screaming because I don't like snakes. But he had the world's dangerous snake bite him and he just flung it off and just stood there and went, whatever. That's just so cool. I'm sorry, it's just so cool. But he has all these other things. He's raised people from the dead. He's had demon-possessed people have demons flee from them. He's had visions from God. Jesus appeared to him personally. You think you might get a little conceited? Simon comes up to you and says, what have you done? Well, (laughs) Jesus came to me. How about you? And raise anybody from the dead lately? Well, I have. All right? So he said that God needed to do it for him. It says twice to keep him from becoming conceited. And he says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. He said, I'm going to do something in your weakness that I could not do in your strength. He was very honest with them. That there are things that go on in our lives, and I think this is true of all of us, that we are used because of it. Somebody sees us overcome in our weakness. If we just had everything straight. Now, if God today changed the whole rules, all right? So, that every time a Christian prayed for something in their life, it was a guaranteed result that we'd have no weaknesses in our life, that all things were, that all things were taken care of in our life, that we had everything that we needed, we never got sick. How many people do you think would be in church next week? We'd be like 14 services 
you know, everything. But would people be there for that or would they be there for God? Would people be there for just that? And so we, for to think of God this way, Paul understood the fact that there are things that he can do through the weaknesses that will actually turn people to God more than if God answered every prayer. Because if God answered every prayer, you say, well, that'd be great. Then every, That's not what God is looking for. He's looking for working through our weaknesses. And he ends it with, for when I am weak, then I am strong. And you say, I think that's upside down. He says, when I am weak, God is working through me and making me strong in what I'm doing. Just like the prayers that that we should not have asked and God has saved us by not answering them, God has done miraculous things. He says, my power is made perfect in weakness. If you go back to verses 2 Corinthians 1, 4, he says, who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort which we ourselves are comforted by God. This is one of the most amazing things. That we go through afflictions so that we may comfort other people's afflictions with the comfort we receive from God. It's right there. But I tell you, there are two words that have appeared now, grace and comfort. And it says that we are going to receive both of them from God with ever what we're going through, with whatever. The worst thing that can happen to your life today, God is going to comfort you and give you the grace to go through it. That is a guarantee. Is it going to go away? Is it going to be healed? Is it going to be solved? Is it be, no, not, none of those are guaranteed. But God will give us comfort and grace, and that is the greatest thing we can ever have. And also, if we go through something, we're able to comfort somebody else and say what God did for us, and that is going to create our testimony so that we may comfort other people. How many times have you comforted somebody? I'm just thinking about it. We just were talking about our last board meeting about all the kids that just graduated from college or from high school and are going to college right now. And one of the things that always comes through in my head is to tell kids, you know, what God did in my life and the stupid things that I did, and please don't do those. You always want to, you know, you want to pass on the wisdom of how God was with you in spite of your stupidity. Am I the only one that did stupid? Okay, just check it. And it's just like, don't do that. Don't think that way. Don't know. And then say, but you know what? God carried me through. When the time that I felt like quitting, God carried me through. When I got to this stage, when my girlfriend of three and a half years, that I was guaranteed that God was going to, we were going to be together, dumped me. God carried me through. All right? I know what you're all thinking. Who would dump me? I mean, come on. (laughs) But, you know, this... (laughs) <laughs> unfortunately that's on tape she, she might hear it. Um, but, uh, but you know you just think about this you think about all the things and you say God carried me through and you can give that comfort to other people like that and say God's going to be there for you and also gives an attitude check for us for the sake of Christ then I am content with weakness insults, hardships persecution and calamities for when I am weak, then I am strong. Now, this is not the, this is not the way that you hear about in tr- some churches. I'm not supposed to have in- weakness, insults, hardships, persecution, and calamities. I'm a child of God. I'm supposed to just float through life. Well, Paul says that he was afflicted. Paul says he had weaknesses and hardships and persecutions and calamities that happened in his life. But it says that God carried him through. For when I am weak, then I am strong. That God allows these things to happen in our lives, 
We pray, and sometimes God miraculously pulls us out. We have the example of Paul. It does get, we do get pulled out by prayer. But other times, our prayer goes up to heaven, and God says, I will carry you through with my grace and my comfort, and you will be strong when you think you are weak. That is a guarantee. That is what we can live for today. Find contentment in all circumstances for the sake of Christ. One of the most famous passages that I think of again with Paul. Philippians 4, 10 through 13. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you need, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. For I know how to be brought low, I know how to abound. In any and every circumstances, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. All right? All of these things, what he is trying to say is God can carry you through every one of these circumstances. Whether you have everything that you need, because you know what? When you are wealthy, you have problems. Okay, when you have abundance, there are things that you deal with that you don't when you don't have abundance. When you are hungry, you have problems. When you don't have anything, there are problems. All of these things, he says, I have learned to be content in every one of these circumstances because God can carry me through. He doesn't say that God is going to make everything okay. It doesn't say that God's going to make a miraculous, take you out of every circumstance. He says, God will carry you through. And we always need to remember that God will use our weakness for his glory. He's going to do, he's going to work through us. The power of Christ to overcome weakness will show his power. He shows his power and he raises faith for all what he does for us. The key to all of this then, I think when it comes down to why does God not answer our prayer, really comes down to this last part. If the key is God's will. 1 John 5, 14 to 15. And this is the confidence that we have towards him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Guaranteed that, he hears us. And we know that if he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. It comes down to this. If it is in God's will. If it is in God's will, he will do things. And you know what? I will tell you this. Do not take the stand from this to not pray for things. Because again, go back to Paul. He pleaded three times. He didn't just say, well, it must be God's will. This really stinks, this whole thorn thing. He pleads with God to take it away. Think of Jesus where he is sweating blood praying to have the cup taken away from him. It is okay, the widow that's trying to get the judge to listen to her, it's okay to come and ask. But also understand that if it is not the will of God, it will not go away, but the will of God is to take you through with his grace and his comfort. It is a, he will do that for you. And there, note, there's no key to pray, prayer to make it work the way we want it to. Again, there's no formulas or proper words. There's no enough faith. There's no claim it. There's no right person or location. If not the Apostle Paul, then who has the formula for all of these things? I bring him up. Who has that formula? God's ways are higher than our ways. We need to understand this, like Isaiah says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts and your thoughts. You do not understand. I come back to Daniel, I keep thinking about that, where Daniel kept saying, I don't understand. He would receive something from God, and he said, I don't understand, and he would explain it to him again. He says, I still don't understand. 
And I think we don't understand everything that God does. We don't understand how the world works. That doesn't mean we shouldn't keep praying, but understand that it is not for us to understand. It is not for us to grab everything that we need. God is love and cares for us and looks out for us. His answers are the best for us, even though we don't understand it. What I want you to understand today is when you pray, God hears you. God listens. And God does what is best for you. It's okay to continue to pray. It's okay to keep saying, God, there's this thorn in my flesh. You may have been dealing with something for 20 years. Don't stop praying for God to take it away. That's not, that's not bad. But also understand, if God has not taken away, that he's going to do something through it. He's going to bring you comfort. He's going to show his strength in you, in your weakness. He is going to do something miraculous through you. And he's going to allow you to comfort other people who are afflicted. Why don't you stand with me today? If our prayer ministers could come forward. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ, what I'm talking about today is the fact that we have a Father in Heaven that we can approach. The word Father in Heaven talks about the fact that He is our Father. It is somebody that we can approach. I've talked about this before. I used to be able to ask my dad to use the car. I did not go around asking other people's dad to use their cars. <laughs> All right? So I could have tried. It wouldn't have probably worked. My dad wasn't that, was reluctant many times. But, you know, I look at this and I say, we have a father who cares for us. But if you're not a child of God, we don't have the guarantee of comfort and grace. We don't have the guarantee that God's going to work everything out for his glory. We don't have the fact that he's going to do something great with whatever. I remember sitting there in tough situations and saying, God, I know you're going to do something. Sitting next to people that are going through the same thing without God in their life and knowing that they don't have the same hope. So today, if you've never accepted Christ in your life, you've never made him the master of your life, you've never had your sins forgiven, you've never had him set you on the right path and restore you to what you're supposed to be, today is the day to make that commitment. And if you, have, if you want to do that, come and talk to one of our prayer ministers and they will walk you through what it takes to become a Christian because we want nothing more than to see people come to know Jesus Christ and have this assurance from Him. For everybody else that's here, if you need someone to pray with you about anything in your life, any thorn in the flesh you may have or something that's going on in your life, come and talk to one of our prayer ministers. But for everybody who else is here, let's just take this into heart. God hears our prayers. Let's step up our prayer life because of this. Let's not think that this is God saying, don't pray as much. This is God saying, he asks us to pray. Pray then like this. James 5 says, when somebody amongst you is sick, call for the elders to pray, believing that something is going to happen. The fact that God does not answer our prayers exactly the way we want should not get us to stop praying. It should make us pray more, knowing that at the minimum, our, his comfort and grace is going to flow through us, and he is going to make us a witness and make us stronger through what he is doing in our life. That's the worst-case scenario. I like that as a worst-case scenario, that God has great plans for us. So let's just make sure that we are people of prayer and people that don't lose heart in God, knowing that his ways are higher than ours. We don't always understand. When we get to heaven, there, I, I mean, like I said, I've got a line of things that I want to ask God. We couldn't understand him right now if we, if he told us. But you know what? He has a plan. He's in control. He's going to comfort us. He's going to give us grace. He's going to heal us. He's going to deliver us. All these things in the name of Jesus. Lord, we thank you today. 
We thank you today, God, that you are a great and mighty God. We thank you, God, that you have, that you have delivered us in the past. The greatest gift we've ever received is our salvation, God, that our sins are forgiven, that we are remade in your image, God, as you slowly remake us and restore us to your image. And God, that we have a future and a hope in you, and you carry us through with your grace for everything. And I pray, God, that you will do miraculous things in the people of this church, God. I pray for great and mighty miracles. As the church in Acts 4 prayed for signs and wonders and miracles, God. We don't want to stop doing that. At the same time, God, we don't want to give up and say that you're not a God who loves us. We don't want to say things like, God just doesn't love and answer our prayers, because we know that you hear us, and we know that you do what is right for us, and we know no matter what we go through and whatever answer we receive, that your grace is sufficient for us, God. And we ask right now, God, that you just work through our hearts today, God. Give us that peace that Paul had, that he was living with this horrible thing, but he had great contentment, God. Let us understand that you are there for us in everything. We ask this now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Now go and continue to connect with people in our church.